lot of times I try to really preach a word on relationship to what I was hearing about 2014, and I didn't hear anything about 2014 per se, but what I, uh, I Lord just sort of let me watch. I did hear one, a couple things. I will tell you sort of what happened in the middle of, in the middle of Jan, uh, December. I was praying about, you know, what is 2014 about? <clears throat> and immediately I heard this, this, these words, watch out. And I started, watch out. And so I'm thinking, you know, I'd just been with a conference that, that, uh, you know, that there was something <clears throat> really kind of crazy going to happen and you know, even though I do believe something crazy is going to happen in the first quarter of 2014. I don't, good? Bad? I don't know. There's something something going to be interesting to happen in this first quarter. Uh, it's going to be interesting. That's all I know how to describe it. But I don't know how to say something. I say interesting. But I heard this watch out. Well, then as time got closer, I, I was praying more about, well, what is 2014 about? I didn't hear the Lord say anything. But you know, with God, it's a lot of times it's hearing, seeing, and feeling. And and I saw and heard, you know, I don't think, I don't necessarily say it was the Lord, but it's a description. Collision. A collision of culture and truth. But, and that's how I started off with it, collision of culture and truth. And... Uh, and then, as I started studying, I started looking closer that I realized it was a collision of culture, truth, and righteousness. And when I was uh, traveling, uh, just last weekend, I went, I think it was last weekend, I was down in Florida. I uh, took my dad back down, and I wanted to see Michelle, who couldn't come up with us, and she's doing well. Uh, but, you know, you're driving on those interstates, and man, going down to Florida this time of year is crazy. Especially the weekend after Christmas, it is crazy. So you get on on the interstate and get you know some two lanes, some I mean talking about in one direction, two lanes, some three lane, some places you get four and five lane, and it's okay as long as cars are doing this, they're aligned. But when the cars cease to be aligned, we call that a collision, an accident. Well, God has created uh, uh, culture, truth, and righteousness to be aligned. But in our society today, they're conflicting. They're colliding. In fact, I was the other day, I picked up, uh, just picked up. I was in Panera with Mitch, I think it was Mitch and Tulio, and I just happened to walk by the USA Today. And, you know, I just like look first page and see, see what's on. And all of a sudden, I see surprising trends of 2013. So I looked down and I says, while says, says, while legislation in Washington was stalled, however, sweeping trends were playing out through lawsuit, lawsuits and courts and referendums in states. For the first time, majority, majorities of Americans favored same-sex marriage, legalizing recreational marijuana use. On these and other public opinions and political momentum seemed to hit tipping points that accelerated the pace of change beyond what activists had imagined 12 months ago. That is a collision of culture, truth, and righteousness. And when I hear a secular newspaper say a tipping point, you know, to 
cause things to press over into, you know, uh, in relationship to sexuality. I'm just saying sexuality, not just homosexuality is an issue. You know, sexuality is an issue. And, uh, and then when we deal with legalizing of uh, uh, drugs, you know, I heard a brother say that. He says, well, I kind of rather, you know, people be, you know, legalize something like marijuana because, you know, people are sitting in time in jail for a small amount of marijuana. And I got thinking about it, I'm going, I have ministered Jesus to a young man who got caught for a small amount of marijuana, and because he got put in jail, that changed his life. Jail, y'all, in my mind, doesn't have to be, it's not, quote, punishment. It's an opportunity for change. You know? So, you know, for us to legalize it, but, you know, you heard this phrase for many years, war on drugs. Well, instead of winning it, we joined it. What's next? So, what we're seeing here is a collision of culture. And that's what, in, you know, of, of culture, truth, and righteousness. And I don't know if it's grammatically correct to use conjunctions like that, but I just felt like all of them, all three of them are so separate and then you'll see as we go along this how it's so crucial. You've got culture, truth, and right. In real effect, there's three, four key words that we need to look at. And in fact, let's go to the next slide that God says we need to define. Col collision. <laughs> it's interesting. All of these are out of Webster's. Collision. A conflict between ideas. <laughs> well, that's what we're talking about, y'all. Conflict between ideas. Culture. People with shared beliefs, values, and practices. Now, these were all the third, def these first two were the third definition as you go down in, in relationship to Webster's. But interesting, this is what we're talking about. People with shared beliefs, values, and practices. And then when we're dealing with truth, something factual, so according to Webster, and we'll talk about that in a second, and righteousness, virtue, which my definition of righteousness is just real simple, that which is right. That is right. And so, uh, so what we've got to deal with here is to understand, y'all, every one of us in this place is going to deal with this, this collision of culture and, uh, I'm sorry, uh, let me get this thing right. And uh, I don't get it around my ear. Okay, that's cool. I think I got it. All right. So, because I think that what we have to be as a people of God, we have to be equipped to deal with the collision that is occurring. You know, and it's getting uh, more and more intense. You say, oh, well, same-sex marriage or homosexuality, y'all, uh, you know, it's not going to really affect us. Let me tell you something. There's a few laws down the road that, real, that would not be far from it in relationship to, like, in, uh, uh, in the child care back here. That we, if, that, uh, if somebody wanted to come in who was homosexual or wanted to come in and... Uh, take care of the children back there, teach children's church, that if we, it was contrary to our culture, that we could be sued because of civil rights violations. So these things are coming, in fact, they're the forefront in many different ways. And so what we need to be is understand, it's not even just on the legal side, but, but the collisions of cultures, y'all, that when we go to the grocery store, when you're at work, those are the ones that, y'all, that God is giving us opportunities to win. 
Now, I say all this stuff, and it sounds bad, and all this kind of stuff. We can start wringing our hands and go, ah, well, y'all, you know, obstacles are what? And the bigger the obstacle, the greater the what? And I, I just believe that, uh, you know, that we've got to be equipped to deal. And, uh, and so some of these things. So let's, let's look at some things. And first thing I really want to establish, God's heart is therefore be it, is, is that culture, truth, and righteousness are aligned. Look at these truths that are established in, in this passage and, uh, in Zechariah. And he's talking about when Israel comes back. He says, I will bring them back and they will live in the midst of Jerusalem and they shall be my people and I will be their God in truth and in righteousness. What does that mean when I'm their God in truth and in righteousness? What does that mean? Well, notice, he who is it that will ascend to the holy hill, but he who walks with integrity and works righteousness and speaks truth in his heart. Let that sink in. Not speaks truth with his mouth, but speaks truth in his heart. That's interesting. And so, God's heart is there for alignment of, of culture. The shared beliefs and culture of heaven are truth and righteousness. Now, you mentioned love. Well, you could say love. Well, let me tell you something. The world can love. That's why you see passages like Philippians chapter 1, verse 9. And I'll talk about this in a few minutes. But it says, I pray that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and discernment. In love, you can approve something that kills something. Because it says that you may approve the things that are excellent. Approve, key word there. Things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless on the day of Christ. Because Romans chapter 14 verse 23 says, Blessed is the man who does not condemn himself in the things that he approves. So, the culture of heaven is truth and righteousness. And that's our opportunity. Now, also when I say culture, I want you to think something here. Think culture of a family, culture of a church, culture of a city, culture of a, of a, a school, a culture of any people group. And that's where in that definition when we say culture, a people group, any kind of grouping of people, any friends that hang around, there'll be a culture. Okeechobee's culture was cowboy boots, cat hats, and skull, and... Red man, I just didn't have enough coordination to walk, talk, and spit and chew at the same time, or else I'd have probably dipped. But, but anyway, you know, you know that was Okeechobee. That was the culture, and and it would the same beliefs, atmosphere, you know, and so and there was much collisions in relationship to truth and righteousness that occurred in those places at those times. Prejudice was strong. Blacks lived in isolated areas on the other side of the tracks. Literally, on the other side of the tracks. I mean, literally. And, you know, for years, oh, they don't dare live somewhere else. And, you know, that was the culture. And so, you know, but God's heart is their alignment of culture is that of truth and righteousness and what is that and so my heart 
in doing this that every one of us in here would be able to 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 make a difference in culture. I love that that uh, that really cool entrance of that what Tulio just spoke about. Josh, that ain't a culture changer or establisher. I ain't never heard it. That is a testimony of what God's all about. Now let me just speak some, share some things as I was going through about some of the dangers of cultures. If you would, turn your Bibles to Galatians chapter. No, no, we won't get that off. We'll look at this. But I saw three major areas of culture affecting um, people. Three of them were, one was in relationship to Jesus and his family. Uh, the other is, is, was the world in relationship to Jesus. This is all in John 3, I mean, uh, um, John 7, but we'll look at some other passages in relationship to Jesus. Another one interesting to me that the Lord led me to was Galatians chapter 2, verse 11 following, when Peter comes to Antioch and watch the culture affect. Now here's the thing that I want you to realize is, when you go into the cultures that you interact with every day, every time there's a grouping of people that you associate with, what does this culture have an effect on you? Or do you affect the culture? You know, I always had a, the Lord showed me one time, I had a fear. There's a, there's a, in fact, it's still back there. I could live in a place and not affect change that I would be like a rock that somebody would throw in the midst of a pond and there wouldn't be no splash. Because I, when I was living in Big Stone Gap, there were people who lived back in some of those hollows you know, that would live and die and they would not ever leave those hollows and nobody would know they lived and died. And I'm going, oh, that is not the purposes of God. That is not the purposes. So every culture that you're a part of, does it affect you or do you affect it? And that's why the Lord, I really just, and I apologize for the, for the on the notes here, the grammar kind of left off some words here. It says some of the dangers collision, of the collision of culture and truth and righteousness. And I, and I didn't want to say these are the dangers I, because, uh, y'all, can I say something here? This is just a heart thing. Because I do not want dwelling place. I do not want us to be the declarer of what is truth. You hear what I'm saying? Uh, I want us to be that which provides people with the foundations to discover truth. Like it says in Romans chapter 14, the faith that you have, have as your own conviction before God. So I'm not going to, I don't want to try to come across and say, this is the truth. Because who am I to say that to you? I'm, of course, I'm an elder, a leader in a church, but the leader of a church is to help people hear the voice of God and take the faith that they have and exercise it. And so that's where we walk this fine line. I want to affect this culture. So y'all, things I share with you, the things that are I have faith for, that I see in the Word of God. You have a responsibility to call what I say a lie and let God be established. So, because the cultures that you encounter, I want to say, are opportunities. Because like it says in Col Colossians chapter 4, it says, 
make the most, regarding outsiders, make the most of the opportunities. So, cultures, collisions of them. And one of the first collisions I see is that the judgments in the midst of a culture, our, our judgment, our judging and judgments can be skewed. Watch the culture of Jesus' family and, and the Pharisees. It says, when his own people heard of this, it talks about all these people were coming to Jesus to be healed. When his own people heard of this, they went out to take him custody. For they were saying he's lost his senses. That's a culture of Jesus' family. He's lost his senses. They're not judging this him, the Savior, the Messiah, very well. Notice as it goes on, it says, The scribes who came down from Jerusalem were saying he's possessed by his Beelzebub, and he cast out demons. The culture, the religious culture, the culture of the world at that time couldn't see and recognize they're judging Judging means to sort out, divide out. Judgment means to divide out or sort out and pronounce a sentence. Well, their judging and judgment was skewed because the culture infected them rather than the, them infecting the culture. Let's go on. What's some other, another danger? Traditions are easily established. This was interesting to me as I was reading in, in, in John chapter 7. You see this all the way through in verse the first one here. This is in relationship to his brothers. And they came to him, and they were saying to him, go down to the feast of booze. And they say this to him, for no one does anything in secret when he himself seeks to be known publicly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. My time's not come. And I just happened to think about what this says here. No one does anything in secret when he himself seeks to be known publicly. Man, how much do we do to violate this in ministry? Because I ha couldn't help but think about Matthew chapter 5 and 6 when three times God says, that which is done in secret is seen by the Father who is in secret, he rewards. Because see, Jesus wasn't about to go make himself known. And well, literally what we're seeing here is this is tradition. You want to be known? Okay, make yourself known publicly. I remind you, one of the most powerful preachers of Jesus' day was John the Baptist. And where did he go? To the wilderness. And, uh, and so, you know, been dealing with this a little bit. You know, we've been doing this website and writing all these books and all this kind of stuff. You know, brothers and sisters who love me a lot just say, Rick, you need to promote this, this, and that. And I just, in my heart, I'm just going, this just don't feel right. If God was honoring this, guess what? You couldn't keep it from being known. So, I, you know, I just kind of think, that's a tradition. And I noticed a little on in the chapter in relationship to Jesus where Jesus goes, he finally goes down to Jerusalem and the Feast of Booze. And notice this, all of a sudden he runs into the culture of the Pharisees. And for this reason, Moses has given you circumcision because it's not from Moses, but from the fathers. On the Sabbath, you circumcise a man. And if a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses will not be broken, are you angry with me because I made an entire man well on the Sabbath? The 
culture was valuing the Sabbath more than a, than a man. Culture's powerful. But notice this. Next, because culture's establishing traditions. Go to the next slide. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 14, 13, thus invalidating the word of God by your traditions which you've handed down. See, the culture hands it down. The church that I pastored in Mixed Gap, what run the church was not, when I first got there, was not this. Oh, yes, we said. But you know what ran the church was the bylaws. And you know where it stayed? Under the pulpit when I got there. That's where it was at. Oh, that's, I pulled it out. That's where y'all got there. That's the first thing I did. Oh, bylaws are good. I'm not saying it's not. But it's not. The tradition of bylaws does not run. I, I want to show you how powerful a tradition is. I just, I, I, I don't show you. I, I want to find out how powerful a tradition of bylaws is. Okay? Now, I want everybody in here to make sure you answer these questions from the heart. Okay? I want to ask two questions. How many people in here believe, believe, okay, you believe it is a right for a United States citizen a right, not a privilege, a right to own a gun. Raise your hand. Arms. So half the room in here. Well, raise your hands. I mean, really, if you believe it's a right, raise your hand. So let me see here. Okay. Okay. Well, that is, that is the, as in the, the Bill of Rights. The right to bear arms. So, um. I just, you know, it is. Not up, but I want to get my phone out. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to pull a gun out. <laughs> that right barrel here, I got one, y'all. Yes, sir. I want y'all look at this. <laughs> oh, no, my phone. I lost it. Anyway, okay, well, that next question. How many of you believe that separation of church and state is in the U.S. Constitution. Raise your hands. Okay. Two. All right. I know this. If I go over on the Virginia Tech campus and I ask the students, I guarantee if I polled students, and this is a church setting, but, you know, separation of church and state is not a part of the U.S. Constitution. In fact, it, the law says that there shall not be any laws prohibiting, no, no, the, the establishment, an establishment, no, what does it say? That's why I had it here, but I lost it. Something, the establishment, an establishment of religion. And literally, what they were dealing with is that the government would not recognize an establishment of religion. They were afraid of like the Church of England thing congregational church at that time becomes strong or, or exercising a law restricting the free exercise of it but yet we have something called separation of church and state which was written by Tom, as y'all know Thomas Jefferson the letter to the Virginia Baptist telling there would not be a law there was a wall of separation you know that was kind of interesting but you know I, I heard a U.S. Uh, I read something about it, not heard it, but I read a thing by a U.S. Uh, state Supreme Court justice back in the mid-1900s said that when they kept these laws, kept people kept bringing laws about separation of church and state to the, to the 
Supreme Court. And this guy says, if you don't stop repeating this, people are going to believe it's true. Now, it was interesting to me. He made that statement in the mid-1900s, and by 1962, all of a sudden, a segment of the U.S. Uh, Supreme Court says, oh, it is true. There should be a wall of separation. So we take something's hurt and establish a tradition, and y'all, guess what? Now, how many prayer groups and prayer meetings and stuff are hindered from occurring in high school or schools or, or how many where it used to be in a high school where it's okay to say a prayer before the game. Now you can't do it because it's separation of church and state. A tradition has rendered the U.S. Constitution none effect. And it's powerful in the world. That's a tradition. That's a tradition established by a culture. Let's go on. Notice in John chapter 7 verse 5 about the culture. That your faith can be hindered. It's interesting to me that not even his beloved brothers were believing in him. Didn't they see him? Weren't they raised up with him? But his brothers, the culture of their family, they could not even believe in him. You know, they thought he lost his senses. You know, if faith be hindered, there's a young, precious, precious girl um, who works with this. I, I had an interaction with this last week. And she's involved in, the, uh, well, I'll just take Michelle. She's working down there training these horses, these warm bloods down there in Wellington, Florida, one of the richest places in Florida. And working with some of the richest in America. I mean, some of the horses in her barn that she trains are worth over a million dollars. I mean, you know, she said, my dad, can you buy this horse for me? Man, such and such. She goes, how much? You know, 45. And, uh, I'm first thing, 4,500. Man, that's a lot to pay for a horse. No, 45,000. I'm going, Michelle, wrong class. But she said, you know, the, the money that she's around and all kind of stuff, you know, I'm, you know, and it's just, and it's, the atmosphere is just sexuality. You know, I was down there, and there was one lady there and that who owns, you know, two or three horses that she's getting lessons there. And Michelle tells me, well, she's the, she's the wife of, the, of a lady who's a big famous lawyer in Boston, and you know, the lady, same-sex marriage, and all she does is she's the, they have a term for it, wife. And I, I can't remember what it was about, you know, just, so all this woman does is she's married to this rich lawyer, woman lawyer, and she just does horses. You know? and, but Michelle made this statement. She said the, the person who owns the barn that she works with, I mean, owns the business she works for, and Michelle just got a lot of favor with her. But she is well known throughout the world as one of the top Buddhist authors in the whole world. But anyway, you know, and so the effect of this culture is very strong. And like you can sense it on Michelle. And, but all of a sudden, Michelle says, Diana, she's got breast cancer. And, and all of a sudden, she's talking about she's got a fear of dying. And I'm going, Michelle, there's your opportunity. Here's a world-renowned author in Buddhism who's respected all over the world in Buddhist circles. And she's afraid to die. Glory! But I mean, Michelle was paralyzed in speaking because of her faith. 
because this culture will try to steal your faith. Hey, y'all are in circles. Just how many times do you feel tempt? I mean, feel hindered from mentioning Jesus? You know, or to pray for somebody, it steals your faith. The culture. Let's go on. Look at this one. It's interesting. Hypocrisy was one of the dangers, a temptation that can occur. Peter, who, this is in Galatians chapter 2. Interesting. Peter, Peter, big bad Peter, comes down to Antioch. I'm going to read the verses prior to this one in verse 13. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to face because he stood condemned. Prior to coming of certain men from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he began to withdraw and hold himself aloof, fearing the, circum- the party of the circumcision. And here it says, and the rest of the Jews joined in his hypocrisy. With the result of even Barnabas was carried away by their hypocrisy. Wow. How many times, y'all, in our lives, because of the culture of an environment that we're in, that we just become pure hypocrites. I remember in college, man, compromise was probably my middle name. I mean, I remember two events that just, just, and I probably told them to you, but one time I'm just drunk on wild turkey and I was sitting there in a party in my apartment, you know, and all of a sudden these guys, these two guys walk in and one guy walks in and goes over to the kitchen and everybody that was sitting around me goes over there. Now it's just me and this fifth of wild turkey sitting on the um, that was the drug of choice of that day in Okeechobee days. And uh, so anyway, with a fifth sitting on the coffee table, and this old boy comes over and sits down right next to me. And I don't know what they were there. I don't know who they were. I don't know where they, I, they were in. I knew they were in town because we drag raced them one time, you know. And, and uh, but anyway, he sat down right here, you know, and, and, uh, and, and I looked at him and I'm like, hey, man, you want some turkey, you know? And, you know, and I, you know, drunk and skunk, you know? And just then he goes, he looked at me and I goes, no, man, I don't drink. I'm a Christian. And I'm going, whoa, me too. <laughs> and right then, man, conviction hit me because all of a sudden, I'm a hypocrite. I mean, it hit me. I knew because the very thing that I didn't want to become a Christian for, I was doing. I was the sissy. I was the wimp. Or the one time that I'm standing beside a barbecue grill with a bar with beer and I'm just cussing up a storm at words coming out of my mouth and this girl who was standing there who was a really sharp girl, you know, she looks at me and she goes, I thought you were a Christian. Dude, I didn't say that. <laughs> you know, because why? The culture just pressed into me to become literally a hypocrite. And I honestly believe, you think about that, that passage in Matthew chapter 7 where it talks about, and we'll talk about it a little later, about being the salt of the earth, and if it's good for nothing, you're trampled under the earth. But you know what? It used to having a name to be a believer used to have something. It used to, it have it. But today you're a believer, you know what you're assigned? Why? You know what the main predicament, you go out in the world, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. Ah, a bunch of hypocrites. Because why? The culture, that's the danger of it. Here Peter is, is forced and come into a place of hypocrisy. That's one of the things that culture can do to us. 
Notice, notice as it says, it, read the, go to the next slide about, notice this. And, but it says, he began to withdraw, hold himself aloof. What? Fearing. Fear of rejection here for Peter. He had a need, y'all. He had a need. He needed to read the book. <laughs> Jesus, the pillar of need. <laughs> but he did. He really literally did. He's fearing rejection. He's fearing being put out. Fearing the party of the sixth circumcision. This was Peter, the mighty Peter, who on the day of Pentecost preaches 3,000, 5,000, 3,000, 5,000. A whole bunch of people get saved. They're saved. But what happens? Fear invokes him. Within that culture, y'all, a culture environment where there's a conflict, a collision of culture, truth, and righteousness, fear can try to jump on you. Interesting thing is instability is a characteristic. When culture, truth, and righteousness collide. Interesting thing, notice the statement here. The same culture that held and declared Hosanna to the Jesus, when he came in, was the same culture and masses that said, crucify him. Y'all, that's what, a, when there's a collision of culture, truth, and righteousness, these are at least six characteristics that you can see manifested in our society today. Christians are afraid to say things. Afraid to do things. Our, you know, Christians, you know, are, are just... You can't really, many times, you can't tell the difference between a Christian and the world. I remember one time I was walking in the dorm in my school, and I was just thinking, you know, it's just when I really start turning my life over to Jesus, and I'm walking in there, and, and I'm going, oh, man, it's really cool. I'm going to be a Jesus person. I'm, I'm living, with, living for Jesus and hanging around with Christians, and i got a bunch of friends that are in the world, and... Oh, it's just really cool. And all of a sudden, I, this is one of the first times I really heard the Lord's voice. I mean, it was like, boom. He said, if you was living like you're supposed to, somebody wasn't going to like you. I'm going, oh. Because, oh. <laughs> you know, y'all, we're called to have an effect in culture. Not culture affect us. Think of this past scripture writer when Jesus, his brothers told him, says, my time has not yet come. Yours is always opportunity. The world cannot hate you. Hear about this. Jesus says to his brothers, the world can't hate you. The world can't hate you, but it hates me. Why did the world hate Jesus? Get this. Because I testify of it that its deeds are evil. Y'all, somebody in the United States has got to say what is true. And there are. But how do you say it is important, too. And we'll talk about that in a second. That's crucial. And so anyway, and this is one of the things the Lord gave me, this statement. Here, culture is never to dictate what is truth and righteousness. Y'all, America today is dictating on the popularity, the polls. Oh, so many Americans now say that homosexuality is, is okay. So therefore, guess what? What do politicians do? They form laws in relationship to the culture. Okay, y'all, same thing in the church today. How many churches today 
are adopting sexuality, you know, um, in relationship. And, and I want to just put this commercial in here about y'all, you know, because we're, we're really the thing that we're supposed to go to is speaking some things in relationship to some major areas of the culture is trying to hit both in the church and outside the church. One of them is sexuality. I just want to share this with you. I have never faced the spirit of adultery affecting me, tempting me in a measure that I have in the last two or three weeks in my whole life. And I'm going, man, God, what is going on? And all of a sudden, I'm praying about it, and the Lord just goes, well, are you going to address sexuality? You better deal with sexuality. Judgment must first begin where? In the house of God. So areas in my life that I had put in a closet for 30 years ago, all of a sudden start manifesting in my life. And I'm, you know, and of course... I'm really just hugging to Paul even all the more and when you're, these kind of things are up. You know, I'm going to Mitch and Tulio, bros. Let me tell you something, dude. I'm just being real with you guys. I'm, I haven't had adultery or anything like that. You know, I'm just telling you issues of dealing with in the heart when you start dealing with stuff. Because I don't want you sitting up and thinking, oh, Rick's got it all together, you know, such like that. You know, I fight battles too. But God is calling us to stand in culture, but we're going to have to stand in culture. We can't stand as hypocrites. Now, guess what? Boom! You get, your legs get knocked out from under. So, anyway, I'm just trying to be real with you. So, culture is never to dictate what truth and, what is truth and righteousness. And I believe this, what it says, God's truth and righteousness, should be God's in there. God's truth and righteousness are to dictate culture. Well, there's the whole question that we get into, y'all. What's truth? What's righteousness? And this is what I want to present to you some things. And these are basic. Some of this is basic dwelling place stuff. But I want to present this stuff from the standpoint of the collision of truth and righteousness. That you'd have some tools to maybe think about and deal with. And let's just deal with truth. Tell y'all, truth is something that's factual. Okay, it's factual. Okay, but how about this? The law of gravity, truth, the law of gravity causes things to fall. Truth or false? True or false? Truth is truth. It describes it. It describes a law. That's right. And so when we start talking about these things, we're talking about how God has created, the law of gravity is how God has created things to function in the physical realm. Well, in society, spiritual laws dictate relationships. Spirit, God has created spiritual laws to, to dictate relationships. Can I say that again? God has established spiritual laws to dictate how relationships function to have life and that you can fly. Like with the law of gravity. You can fly if you understand the laws. So anyway, because truth is crucial for a culture. And y'all, Truth is not a concept. Go to the first slide, please. Truth is a person. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth. He is, a tr he is truth. He, in a society, the fullness of who he is, y'all, changes cultures. 
It did in his day, and it still does today. The only problem is, is that we don't reflect him as he is. We may have confidence on the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. And see, so what Satan will want to do is distort who the reflection of Jesus us. We're like a mirror, and we reflect. We're not, we're not Jesus. We're like the, the moon and the sun. You know, we have no luminary characteristics in and of ourselves, but when we reflect the light of the S-O-N rather than the S-U-N, like the moon reflects light to the earth, so us is the light of this S-O-N shine in our hearts out of us and reflects to the world. It brings change. How many times, you know, it just I've had people come up to me just repenting. Or, will you do this? Pray for me this. And I'm going, oh, Jesus, praise God that there's that points in my life that I'm reflecting accurately who Jesus is. He is it. Just mentioning the name of Jesus, y'all. That's why, that's why we, the website I have is called Dealing Jesus because I just believe when everybody, when I'm out, if I can just mention Jesus some way, that causes some, it can cause something to happen. Not go to, you go to church or something like that. But I, do you something about Jesus? And that's how I always end up saying, what do you do? Well, I deal Jesus. <laughs> you know, I think I told you this before. One time I was on the streets down in Atlanta and I was dealing Jesus. And I walked up to the side guy, hey, man, what, you know, what are going on? And he's, what do you do, man? I'm, I'm dealing Jesus. I goes, whoa, man, I never smoked any of that. Oh, man, you need to it's, it's use him with the, intravenously, the, the blood. <laughs> I didn't say that, but I just want to, I got to, that's what I'm thinking nowadays. If somebody says to me again, watch out. <laughs> it's not, but he is true. Us to declare Jesus, him, you know, crucified and resurrected. Jesus, the fullness of the cross, the truth. I'll share something about that in a second. And the next thing is, is what is truth? He is, and so we're declares of the person, y'all. So, y'all, if in the world at where we're at, don't let the culture you're in try to con you out of reflecting the person that you are named. Philip, it hit me. In, my, in John chapter 14, when Jesus told him, you know, in my Father's house are many dwelling places, and, and all of a sudden Philip says to him, you know, Jesus, uh, show us the Father and that'll be enough. And Jesus goes, Philip, Philip, if I've been so long with you that you ask that to paraphrase, he says, the Father who is in me does his works. It's the, I am in the Father and Father is in me. I am just the exact representation of who the Father is. And, and that's all Jesus did. He just went reflecting who his Father is. And that's the call of God on us, just reflect the person of Jesus. Not us, him. Don't be conned out of him. 
don't be conned out of him in the culture that they're in. <laughs> that friend who graduated from Georgia Tech, prophet dude, wore a navy blue windbreaker. I'm not saying you go this extreme, but he did. He wore a navy blue windbreaker. With aircraft arm paint, he written on the front, on the front and back, Jesus is coming. And then he would go into the black bars and down in South Florida and pass out prayer claws and deal Jesus. Operate the dude, operate the power of God. One day, old boy walked up to him with a switchblade, popped it out and says, you white SOB. He was in a black bar telling Jesus, what are you doing in here? He says, in the name of Jesus, sit down. Boy, the power of God hits him, falls over, and he just kept passing out power claws. People listen to him. Anyway, I don't know what that's got to do with anything. Oh, just a person, Jesus. Yeah, yeah, where? You don't have to paint it here. Yeah, you paint it here. Here. Jesus. What is truth? Ah, y'all. John 17, 17 says, Father, what? Sanctify them in truth. Thy word is truth. Y'all, I'm convinced of this. This word is the absolute reality of truth. You know, like it says in Psalm 119, 60, the fullness of God's word is truth. From Genesis to Revelation, as I used to kid around and say Genesis to the maps, but they're not, you know. (laughs) But Genesis to Revelation, the fullness of truth, the understanding of truth is in the fullness of the book. The revelation of truth. God's word is truth. One time a, a girl who was dealing with homosexuality came to me and said, you know, you know, oh, I'm, I was born that way. I said, no, you weren't. No, you weren't. And she goes, how you say it? And I told her about that. And I says, I know this is leading you to death and destruction. It will not work in your life. She says, how you, can you say that? I said this, in him all things hold together. A created purpose in this earth, according to Colossians 1.19, says, in him, in Jesus, all things hold together. If he ain't holding together, it's going to fall apart. But your life's falling apart. Whenever you want to know what's going on in your life because you're dealing with homosexuality, come to me. About two weeks later, she shows up and says, I want to know. And God healed her and touched her life. That was about Jesus. But the Word of God, I I was reading an article, not an article, a testimony about John MacArthur. And John MacArthur said he was in his office one day and all of a sudden this guy walked in. The Word of God is truth changes culture this guy walks in and goes i don't know if you can help me but i you know i've been married twice and i'm the woman i'm living with now is not my wife and i really don't want to be with her i'd like to go back to my second wife really that's who i love you know stuff like that but above all else i am a doctor who operates an abortion clinic we do i think the number was like nine million dollars a year in abortions I if a girl comes in and don't know whether she needs an abortion or not I will help her believe it I am miserable my life is I and he's talking about I get all this psychiatric help and all this kind of stuff and he says can you help me and John MacArthur goes no I can't help you but I know somebody can he goes you know can't help him and he says no he always can he says who he says Jesus and he said he said he took reached out his desk he took a Bible and he handed him a Bible and he says 
I want you to read the book of John. Because Jesus can change your life, and you need to find out who he's. Oh, and by the way, the guy said, I'm Jewish. He says, I'm Jewish. Then he says, this Jesus can change you. You need to find out who he is, and I want you to read the book of John. And, and he talked about in his testimony this thing. He said, and he went after he sent the guy away, just reading the book of John. He said, he went to talk to another guy. And he said, you mean you didn't give me any ta- tapes or any study helps or anything like that? No, I believe the word of God can take care of itself. So a couple of weeks later, all of a sudden the boy shows up. The, guy, the man shows up at his office. He walks right by him, walks over, takes the Bible and puts it on the table and sits down. John says to him, says, well, what discovery? He says, Jesus is real. And he says, nobody could do the things he could do if he wasn't God. And he starts going all this stuff. And then the guy goes, uh, <laughs> he said this, and he's just talking about all this stuff about Jesus is real. Jesus, I want him. And says, whenever I get my life cleaned up enough, I'll, you know, I'll. <laughs> and John goes, no, 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 no. And he says, you know, you, and he said, you know, you need to ask him to be your Lord and Savior. Now, he says, you yeah, know, I read that because I couldn't stop in the book of John. I went down to the book of Romans. And he says, what are you going to do? But John says, what are you going to do about it? He says, well, I want Jesus, my Lord and Savior. What are you going to do with it in relationship to your job? Well, before I came in here, I had already written my letter of resignation from the clinic. Oh, the Word of God, the truth of God's Word, changing a culture. <laughs> changing a heart. Well, what's the to truth? Who is truth? It's a person, Jesus. And y'all, it's a very important thing to know. Go to the next slide, please. Y'all, the, the, the what of truth bears witness to the who of truth because you can't have the, you can't have the, the knowledge of good and evil without the person. That's why it says in John 5, 39, it says, you search the scriptures because in them you think you have eternal life. It is these that bear witness to me. That's why when the guy got a hold of the word of God, it automatically pointed him back into a revelation of who Jesus was and Jesus changed his life, changed the culture of which he was living in. You know, I want to say this to you. If you and I, this is one of the things that I used to do just intensely, but if you and I, the Word of God is not saturated in our lives, culture will saturate you. Your life is just like a sponge. There's a principle here in science, y'all, some of y'all dudes that do this, but I think there's a thing here called if the pressure inside is greater than the outside, you know, like if you take a sponge and you put it, and the thing of water, or some kind of pressure thing that goes on where the water outside gets inside. What? Yeah, that. that. <laughs> but if the pressure inside the sponge is greater than outside? Yeah, so it goes that way, right? In theory. I should talk to Burby before I did said this. But the pressure in Jesus is so great, saturated with this word. That's where it says in John 17, 17, Father, sanctify them in truth. Thy word is truth. He didn't say, you know, separate them from the world. 
And the thing that separates you from the world is saturation of God's word. That's why I like, I just said, I get, I'm giving back. I'm just going to memorize scripture. If you walk, you know, if in his word you meditate day and night, you'll be like a tree strung by strings of water. That's why I went to mention to you this week, I said, or last week or some week, I said, memorize with me Psalm 25. Let's just do it. Psalm 25 together. We're, gonna hold, we're just going to memorize it together. Huh? To you, O oh Lord, I lift my soul. <laughs> you got that one? <laughs> no, we're in process. We just... So anyway, just to saturate, because the Word of God will change the culture you're in. But how about this? You got who is true? Jesus, what is truth is the Word. But what about, how about John 16, 13? Notice what it says. But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. The, what I call the heart of truth is the Holy Spirit. Because you know what? There's a lot of us that are out there going, homosexuality, it's a sin. Word of God says, you know, it's an abomination. They're going to be stoned. You talk about, you take the law and take it and they'll stone it. Yeah. Well, that's speaking truth, but not in the spirit of truth. That's not the fullness of truth. Because that's why he, the Holy Spirit, comes. He is the spirit of truth. He's what I call, this is my terminology, the heart of truth. That's why the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faith, self-control. Go to the next slide, please. Because why? Love being a fruit of the spirit. The goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart. I'm going to say this, y'all. This is how I know that when I get up to preach or teach, y'all, if I know if I need to keep my mouth shut. Y'all have heard me probably stand up here a bunch of times that I need to keep my mouth shut. And y'all probably need to tell me. But if I'm out speaking truth in love, if I don't have love in my heart, love for the person that I'm speaking to in relationship to it, to try to spur your faith on, to love, I didn't, that's not truth. That's not the fullness. I'm speaking a truth, but it's not the fullness of truth. Because, y'all, that's why Christians today, y'all, are not affecting society. Some of them, as as a whole, we're not affecting society because we may be speaking a biblical concept which has truth to it, but we're not speaking it in truth. Therefore, no effect on the culture. That's why all three facets of truth are critical. To not be overrun in a culture. The who the what, and the heart. Because the world don't care what we know until they know we care. You know, and, and there's a lot of things in my own life that I just go, God, culture, the culture, y'all, culture of religion, stealing things from my heart. Because remember, to be honest with you, one of the most dangerous cultures that's there is Church. I'm going to be honest with you. That's one of the most dangerous cultures you can deal with. Religion. Church. Dwelling place can be one of the most dangerous cultures. Your relationship with me could be one of your most dangerous cultures that you could deal with if it gets deviated from truth. So the collision of truth is a collision of culture to, to, to take away the name of Jesus, to take away the validity of the Word of God and take away our sensitivity to the Spirit of God. How about righteousness? In Romans chapter 1, 
in verse 1 through 3, you see three types of righteousness. And you need to be aware of this. Very important that you deal with this. Righteousness, that which is right. Literally. That can be that which is right. That which is right, straight or upright. Those levels back there are things that determine whether something's righteous in construction. Over here on the right, these levels. Now watch this in this passage. You'll see the first type of righteousness you need to be aware of. It says, for I testify about them that they have a zeal for God, but not in accordance with knowledge. A zeal for God, not in accordance with knowledge. That's big, y'all. You can desire God, but be dumb and be destructive. Been there, done that. I used Paula. I got first baptized in the Holy Spirit. Paula had massive hurts and relationship to tongues. Gift and I'd lay hands on her. Lord, let her just slap her down. Let her come up speaking in tongues. That'll teach her to believe. Did he do it? No. I'm going to slap you down. <laughs> you don't need to be slapped down. I don't know how I got there. A zeal a guy with not about knowledge. It goes on. It says, for not knowing about God's righteousness. Get this. Seeking to establish their own. Y'all, that which is right. In our society today, in our U.S. government today, in states today, it is righteous for same-sex marriage, homosexuality. It's righteous. It's righteous. Um, couples living together. A couple living together out of marriage. It's what? Righteous. Colorado. It's righteous to smoke marijuana, to have marijuana. It's righteous. Why? We've established a righteousness of our what? Own. Okay? That's a righteous word. There's a righteousness of the world. But it is not the righteousness of who? God. Now, the interesting thing the Lord showed me is there is a righteousness according to the law of Moses. Watch this. For Moses writes that the man who practices the righteousness based on the law shall live by that righteousness. I honestly believe this is one of those things that I was telling you all last week. uh, I mean, not not last week. um, Just a few minutes ago about the spirit of adultery, just just this whole thing about adultery being so strong. is this thing right here. If we establish this thing about uh, sexuality about is a, is a law, guess what? We'll be forced to live by that standard of righteousness, of law. So, you know, you can't, what you, the standard of judgment you use in one place will be used in another. So if I judge another person by any form of unrighteousness, if I judge anybody in relationship to adultery, somebody living with somebody outside of marriage, okay? And I judge that in my heart. Y'all, that's where the biggest place you can get in trouble. Not, I don't open my mouth at all, but in my heart. There's people I love dearly that are living, to, they're living out of marriage together. Love dearly. And I'm going, you know, and that's not cool. But I judge that as adultery. And I've got adultery in my heart in any way, shape, or form. Guess what? I will be judged on that. The standard of measure I use here is the standard of measure I will be measured and judged here. I can't pick and choose, y'all. That's judgment. That's 
the righteousness which is according to the law. And what the Lord, I just summarized it up like this. Just look at this next slide, please. It's an eternal conformity to truth. The law is true. It's, I said eternal. I'm sorry, it's supposed to be the X there. It is eternal, but it's, it's an external eternal. It's external conformity to truth demanding justice at all costs. You violate the law in one point, you're what? Guilty of it all. At all cost. If you violate one, you're condemned. You're dead. That's the law of Moses. An external form of conformity. Y'all, if we're going to make a difference in society, I want to say this, y'all. We cannot make a difference dealing with the externals. Homosexuality was a serious issue for Sodom and Gomorrah. Sexuality. Perversion. Sexual perversion. Let me just put it that way. But you know what? That was not the root issue. According to Ezekiel, it tells us that the root issue in Sodom, this I have against your sister Sodom, that they were rich and increasing goods and lived in careless ease and had no regards for the poor. That's a, how about that characteristic of our society? Rich, increased with goods, and lived with careless ease and have no regards for the poor. Homosexuality and the sexual perversion that was occurring in Sodom was a fruit, not a root. So for us to operate according to the law of Moses, standards, external standards, and judge sin and make a difference in sin externally, y'all will condemn ourselves. I.e., that's why the church today has no voice. But, y'all, but I want to say something. What we've done is we've gone to the extreme. That's why we see many other churches, denominations, and pastors today that are embracing homosexuality. A guy who was very prominent in the state of Michigan rose up and was very dominant in, in the, the modern church movement. Now, not able to deal with that. I, I know what's going on, what's going on, but not able to deal with the, the, the sin issues in it We've done like we did, our society today is done with, with the war on drugs. Instead of fighting the battle and dealing with the, through the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, we embrace it. Well, let's just go ahead and make money. They're going to spend money, do it. Let's just tax it and we'll hopefully regulate it. You know what? I read today this last week. One ounce of marijuana, $500. There's a motive for people to want to sell marijuana in the state of Colorado. You watch how fast it'll spread across the country. Selling marijuana in a store for $500 an ounce. Businessmen will see that as an opportunity. But righteousness, which is not according to the law, will make a difference. But righteousness, guess what? Sorry, it's going long, but I get this. Watch. The righteousness, which is based on faith. Go to the next slide, Sarah, please. What is a righteousness based on faith? It's a heart that conforms to truth, pursuing love-focused justice. In other words, what you're doing is you're going for the heart of an individual. If we're seeing somebody deal with a sexual issue, or I'm, I'm sorry I'm stuck on that kind of thing because that's a society, or, or guys deal, an addiction or whatever it may be, instead of looking on the outside, we're looking for the heart. 
We're looking for the heart to see the heart free to be able to love and to believe, to receive truth, not externally. Hearts that just are operating, just knowing that just believing and loving God changes people's hearts and lives. Receive the Word of God, the truth of God, which performs its work in you who believe. That's why uh, there's such a massive attack on our hearts to steal us from truth and from the righteousness which is according to faith. It'd be interesting to me to know how many of us in here really live by faith. I'm not pointing out, y'all. You know, to point out, there's three fingers pointing back. How many of us are really living according to the righteousness of faith? That's how we change. And we got that's a challenge for us in elders and speaking here that we are a people that not teach it, but we understand how to live in the righteous faith. There's too many Josh Udys dying. And it's not the change physically and spiritually takes the fullness of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus to be manifested. The change. So anyway. Here's a warning, but here's the exciting part. Notice this passage. The Lord gave me this out of Isaiah 59. It says, justice is turned back. Righteousness stands far away. Righteousness, which is according to faith. For truth has stumbled in the street, and uprightness cannot enter. Yes, truth is lacking. And let, notice the result here, y'all. And he who turns aside from evil makes himself a prey. Y'all, you realize this? That when truth, when the, when the, the culture over, starts pushing, I want to read that again. It says, on these issues, public opinion and political momentum seem to hit the tipping points that accelerated the pace of change. When the culture starts to push and and really starts to tip it over. As this paper said, it, what happens is the person who turns aside from evil makes himself a prey. Uh, that's what Jesus did, y'all. And they did what to him? Hung him on a cross. But, here's the good part. Go to the next slide. You're the salt of the earth, but if salt has become tasteless, how can it become unsalty again? It's no longer good for nothing. He said to be thrown up and be trampled under the foot of men. That's what we talked about earlier. You are a light of the world, a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Go on to the next slide. Nor does anyone light a lamp or put it under a basket, but the light lamp stand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Now watch this step. This is what God is saying. Let all... I mean, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see, interesting, your good works. And glorify your Father is in heaven. God's put on my heart, I got a hold of something. 
when I was in an apostolic conference. And I haven't shared this with the elders. But y'all, uh, right now, this culture is trying to invade our world in many different areas. And God's calling us to shine. And all we have to do is let them see the light of the Father, light of Jesus. And you know what? It will glorify, and they'll see it. And what God just put on my heart says, they'll see your good works. And one of the things that the Lord said is, they'll see your good works. And I was in this conference, and all of a sudden, I'm walking in there, and all of a sudden, I just ran into this guy. I knew there's hundreds of, the, hundreds of people there in this conference, a couple thousand, really. And... Uh, this apostolic conference, and I saw this guy, and I said, hey, man, what's going on, John? How you doing? Stuff like that. And I says, what's God been showing you, man? You know, that's one of my favorite words. And he just said, Matthew 5, 16, this passage. When he said it, it was like, boom, hit me. And then the very next session, the guy starts talking about influencing the kingdom of God, influencing and affecting the culture in which we live. And he said, You've got to be measurable, and you've got to make a difference that the, where the world sees your work. Well, y'all, in business world, you know what defines a businessman see? Profit. No, I don't mean necessarily. They see something profit. So God's saying to me, he said, you've got to operate in a way, Rick, in the church that you're a part of, needs to operate in a way that where you affect the culture, they see that your effect on the culture. Not like where you're going out there and preaching on the streets. But he, they, in their church, is what they did was they started saying, okay, here's what will change the culture. Health. Goal to help people live healthier lives. Measure. Disease lessens. Health increases. Medicines and health care become more available. Family. Divorce rates and number of first-time marriages. Housing number of homeless and number of homeowners increase. Community, number of civic and service club, ter- voter turnout, amount of volunteering. The, go- the goal is to increase social interaction and friendly environment. Safety, less in crime rate, increased safety. You know, when revival broke out in Ireland, you know what happened to the police? They came to the policeman one day. says, well, we don't have policemen now anymore because we have a really good quartet because we, we closed the jail. That's what happened when Evan Roberts led revival in Wales. Economy, to have economic conditions favorable for increase for everyone. Typical economic indicators, that's their measurement. Infrastructure, to see public infrastructure that supports and creates positive community conditions available public works to every household. Education, equality, end of discrimination based on gender, race, and age. Measure, number of hate crimes, racial and social, political and religious, gender diversity, equivalence in salaries. Rights, upward mobility, property rights, available of judicial systems. Gratification, it's interesting they did. To help people enjoy the fruits of their labor. Number of restaurants, retail stores, and commercial entertainment. It's interesting what they, they targeted. One, one guy who shared testimony in this that in the city that they were in, they saw the number of five-star hotels increase in the city when they started purposely increase from like one or two to like 15. And they, they believe God showed them that was the increase of the prosperity and the blessing of God. That the environment, clean air, soil and water, welfare, jobs availability and job training, morality to assure societies live 
written and unwritten laws that reflect Bible morality and the measure vice crime rates fall. That was just something that I just wanted to share with you. That's what they did in their church. They asked God, says, okay, we want to let our lights see sign before men that they may see our good works. Well, we need to target specific areas. Now, I can't do this, y'all. But I think every one of us can. Every one of us can hear the voice of God and affect the culture that we're in. And together we can affect the culture of this new river valley that we're a part of. But the only way that we can do it is stand in righteousness and truth. Only way. Tom? Got something? Mitch? I got something to close, but go ahead. You got something, you guys? You got something, Tom, you want to share? Okay. I want to close out with this. This is what the Lord just wrote, put on my heart. And I, you know, I say, Lord, what, what would we do in this? And then I've lost my notes. You know, I just really want to ask the area that to consider here. As your judging and judgment's been skewed in the areas of culture affecting you, how you see stuff. Have you adopted traditions regarding situations and circumstances rather than the Word of God? Has your faith been compromised by culture? Just like Jesus' brothers. Has hypocrisy been a mark in your life? And I, y'all, that's one of the things that God's really been speaking to me about hypocrisy. I preach something, guess what? I better be living it. Paul makes a statement, I will not preach that except which God has accomplished in me. I feel like there's some things I've been preaching that God has not accomplished in me. I'm just being real. I've been repenting. Fears can become prevalent. If you're entertaining the fear of rejection, fear in relationship to culture. Also, instability, wavering according to the, the wave of culture if you're given in. And I just want to ask if there's any of these things, a real simple thing for us is when in doubt, what? Repent. Just repent. And God is faithful and just and confess the truth into you that you are a light. You are a light on a hill that cannot be hidden. You don't have to generate anything. I don't have to generate anything, y'all. That's exciting to me. I don't have to hype it up. All I have to do is be me in Jesus. And that, you know what? That's enough. That is enough. And that's true for you too. Simone, it's being him. And how many times people come into this church and say, well, I'm here because Mitch Simone was at the door back there greeting me. Mitch just being Mitch affected somebody's life. So, you want to add anything to close out? So, y'all pray that we as elders in leadership, we want to provide tools for us of truth to deal with the issues that are affecting culture, both in family and outside and inside the church. That's why toward the end of the month, like I said, we were trying to do it last semester, but we couldn't do it. 
but we're by the end of the month, y'all pray for this because really we're going to really address sexuality, both in the family, husband and wife, outside sexuality as it regards outside and also inside. So, Mitch, well, let's just let's stand. I did hear, you know, just that the Lord wants us to be men and women, as Rick just declared that whole statement that we are men and women children that affect culture and it doesn't affect us you know that we have the effect there and so that's what i want to pray for us and maybe this morning you know after we close and you just want just felt like some a few people just need prayer because they're getting affected by they're getting overrun by culture you know their faith has been overrun by culture and so we want to be able to stand with you uh, and just declare freedom in that. So, Lord, I just I do pray right now in Jesus' name, God, that uh, Father, that you would just take us, continue on this journey of just establishing foundations, Lord, so that Lord, when when we encounter culture, Lord, it does not change us, but we're able to change and not not to just you know beat them beat them over the head uh, with the truth, but being able to walk in truth in such a way that it it, it shines the light of the sun shines the light of the son of god into people's lives god we that's what we as a body of believers god as dwelling place god we, we want to be a people that stand stand in truth and stand and, and declare truth in the spirit of truth and the spirit of revelation and so lord just i just pray that god and lord if, if there's people in here lord that maybe in just smaller areas maybe it's maybe it's large whatever that looks like but You've been overrun by the culture, Lord. Uh, you've been you've just been just been given in, Lord. I just pray right now in Jesus' name, there would be a repentance, there would be a turning to you, a turning to you, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the the only thing that brings life, the only thing that brings truth uh, into this world, God. Uh, I just pray we turn to you, that we fix our eyes on you, the Author and Perfecter of our faith, God, and that in the name of Jesus we would be culture changers. Lord, to, to declare life into men and women and children that are dying, that are walking not according to life. And so, Lord, just empower us in that. So, Lord, thank you for this truth. Thank you for this revelation. And if, those ha- if, if we have been struggling with judgments or traditions or, or just our faith is being hindered or, or that just walking in hypocrisy or, or those fears or just walking in the stability of the time and going with people and going with the, the flow, God, we repent, Lord God. We just repent as a body. God, we repent as individuals in the name of Jesus. And I just encourage you just to take a moment and just evaluate that. And just if there's places you just need to, to repent and turn. Uh, to walk in the new newness of of a, of a of a thought pattern of a of a lifestyle of whatever that looks like, just like as that guy when he read the book of John, he it was transformed. And so, Lord, I just pray right now in Jesus' name, transform us, transform us by the renewing of our mind, renewing of our minds to truth, to who the truth is, Jesus, and to what your truth is, the Word. God, inundate us with that. So, Lord, we thank you for that. And, and Lord, we just we just turn to you, God. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.